My name is Elena. Hello, my name is Avery. Uh, and I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the uh, radio show on the internet where I talk to friends that I don't talk, get to talk to often enough. Uh, Elena, is yeah. is there, um, do you want to briefly introduce yourself or perhaps plug something? Sure, Jim. I'm your sister. Um, yeah, good enough. Oh, that's a surprise to me. I got I got a plug here. I was just in the middle of reading something before I called you, and I'm enjoying it, and I'm I can't wait to get back to reading it. Oh, I'm sorry to be interested. No, no, it's cool. I'm also from... happy to talk to you. It's just that I'm reading this suspenseful horror fic on AO3 called Cordyceps by Benedict underscore SC. So if people are into info hazards or reading about info hazards, they should read this. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, Avery, Go. I would like to plug my 19, no, not my 19, my uh, 2016 solo album by Avery Burke. I didn't know this. Oh, really? No, I just thought your big thing was coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you ever wonder why I live in a house that's like where the, all the instruments are on the wall and stuff like that? Yeah, because you're a massive hipster. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Just They're all the weird decor instruments. But <laughs> Tell us about this album. Oh, yeah. Well, I had a band for like 13 years. Um, oh, okay. Uh, that band broke up. Uh, we all moved into a big warehouse together um, and recorded a one last album and then broke up. And I still live in that warehouse. Um, and is, is the rest of the band there too? No. <laughs> one member of the band is still there. Which one? Autumn. Autumn was the co-founder of the band. Okay. I don't think I know Autumn. Yeah, I don't think Autumn's ever come out during any of the events that you've been to i understand <laughs> a mutual friend um of yours and mine stevie Pershu, was in the band for like 10 years anyhow after after my band broke up uh a few like a year or two went by and then i made a solo album um which actually i will not plug the band stuff because i don't know with other band members if the other band members would still want people listening to the band music, but my solo album is called six songs for Lisa. It's on Bandcamp. It's all sad songs about a broken relationship, which is probably why I haven't talked very much about it. Does, does Lisa know about it? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Avery, uh, tell us about cr uh, crop milk, <clears throat> crop milk, uh, pigeons produce, Male pigeons produce huh. a milky white, protein-rich substance from a gland located inside their throat with which they feed their young. It is called pigeon milk. I have read variously that it is creamy and that it also has the consistency of cottage cheese. I feel like those aren't the same consistency. <laughs> no, and I don't know who is I don't know who is doing the research. And they tasted the pigeon milk? Does it taste like pigeons? I don't know. When I first learned about it, I owned a coffee shop and I kept roping customers into discussing my fascination with crop with uh This is what I was about <laughs> to ask. Did you offer crop milk lattes? <laughs> I I kept saying that I was going to make a pigeon milk cappuccino and it uh it's not like a this this is part of the reason why perhaps my coffee shop didn't last is like <laughs> <laughs> you really shouldn't have these kinds of conversations with people. Uh -huh. um, uh, so how do you milk a pigeon? Well, I guess the gland is in their throat. 
right? So you'd have to like hold it upside down. And I imagine just uh, like starting at the base of the throat and squeeze like. <laughs> Listen, science just is going to find a way. Them. Yeah, like the entire pigeon is an udder. <laughs> we, we do worse things to animals, so. It's true. And it, they're not, it, pigeons aren't the only animals that produce, the, or the only birds that produce this. And the like, the spectrum of birds that produce it is weird to me because uh, I think pigeons or uh, uh, penguins also make it and oh. flamingos make it um and uh doves make it but doves are basically pigeons anyway doves are yeah like, they're like the same thing yeah but like the the link between flamingos and um penguins is bizarre to me like I mean, like they're both kind of water birds ish right yeah i guess but pigeons aren't no but i mean i guess they i guess pigeons are like it's a good point i guess pigeons like nest near like I, th- I don't know. Like I, th- I guess the the, um, natural habitat of a pigeon might be near water, right? Like hmm, maybe not, their natural habitats aren't giant skyscrapers, or they they are now, but yeah, they're, they're they have become giant skyscrapers. <laughs> they lived in nature's skyscraper, the cliff. <laughs> I mean, they're called rock doves, right? Yeah, they lived on right. rocks, so yeah. This is actually pretty fascinating to me how like we how there are certain animals that are just super well adapted accidentally to the human invented biome. Yes. Yeah, uh I forget there's a term for it. Um and yeah, there's other like cockroaches and um you know one that I find fascinating is squids are actually there's a certain kind what, of What really? Yeah. There's a certain kind of squid that is uh it's adapted to low oxygen environments. And so as human beings change the pH of the ocean and you get these huge dead zones where all these low oxygen environments, these uh, certain kind of squid thrives in these environments and the squids are um, becoming a real problem because they're, they, they eat everything. And so as these <laughs> low oxygen areas push forward in the ocean, these like cockroach squids just spread everywhere. And it's another, it's another example of like animals that thrive in kind of the wake of human beings. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot less fun to think about that one though. That's Yeah, like foxes are cute. <laughs> Do our fox- or squids taking over the ocean are like a little worrying. <laughs> because no one else can breathe. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, if only our cities were overrun by foxes instead of raccoons. Especially <laughs> if they were fennec foxes. Those oh, guys are adorable. So cute. Those are the cutest the 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 that animal is like designed by Disney. That's a right. Well, it's it's another like accidentally really good for humans or uh, adapted to the human environment in the sense that humans want to look at them and, and be <laughs> yeah. around them. Yeah, they'll thrive mm-hmm. in human environments because people will take care of them as pets. Right. I'm not speaking of adapted to humans. Did you hear the thing about honey guides? This was cool. No. Honey guides are like they're this bird that evolved to like be symbiotic with humans because honey guides are really good at finding beehives, but they're not really good at getting honey out of the beehive because there's a lot of bees in there. But humans are good at getting honey out of beehives because they know how to make fire and you can smoke the bees out of the hive, right? And it's a fireproof bird. (laughs) Well, the bee just stays away from the fire. So you just set the bird on fire. (laughs) And then you let it smoke the bees out. Um, no, like apparently they were originally symbiotes with like badgers or something else that doesn't give a shit about bees. 
But wow. yeah, so the birds, well, they'll go find a beehive and then they'll fly to wherever humans are and they have a specific call that's like, hey, jump in, let's go honey hunting. And the humans will be like, that sounds good. And they'll follow this bird. And they also have humans have developed a, bit, a specific call, like the humans in honey guide areas know that like this is the honey guide song you sing or sound you make. Right. And they can like summon honey guides to take them to honey. And they go on like a little honey hike together. And at the end of it, the humans set a bee hive on fire and they both eat honey. And there was like this, this study published where this like, is like a buddy comedy. The, this is I right? see this movie. Yeah. And it, it like it makes the, the honey hunts like stupidly more effective. I don't remember. It was like 70 percent or something more effective to find honey if you have a honey guide. And it, we've stepped in and taken over the job of the badgers. Yeah, we just did way better than badgers at this. <laughs> if, well, I guess the badgers have to develop fire. Right. <laughs> Flamethrowing badgers. That's what we need. When they call it milk, crop milk, like I wonder how close it is. Like I imagine because it's supposed to be an especially nutritious fluid, it's probably many, many respects pretty similar to milk. Um, Milk, but milk is like produced from like adapted sweat glands, right? Yeah. Is, do birds sweat? Do they sweat out of their throats? Oh my God. <laughs> like it can't be the birds sweat, right? Because they're covered in feathers and that seems like, uh, it just seems wrong. I mean, yeah. like we're covered in hair, right? That's true. That, our hair gets all greasy. That's a good point. Yeah. We sweat under our, do human beings have sweat glands all you can, you can have your your sweat glands are located in a particular area, right? It's not like the gland is not what's sweating. Uh, this, I don't know which part of the sweat gland produces the sweat. There's like sebaceous glands and sweat glands, and they're different. One makes oil and one makes water, but they're like in glands? the same place or something. Yeah, that's like what makes us have acne and stuff. Oh. Keeps our skin moisturized, but also causes problems. Oh. Okay, I heard this. Uh, I feel like this is in misinformation that I'm now going to spread over the internet. <laughs> a friend, That's what this is about. It's fine. <laughs> a friend recently told me, and I have, and I, I, I have not verified this because I don't want it not to be true. Okay. That Bruce Lee had his sweat glands removed. How would you even do that? I don't. I don't know. Is it like a laser hair removal, but well, hardcore? But if he did it, it would have it would have had to happen in the seventies. Like, <laughs> did they have lasers yeah, in the seventies? Before they had lasers. Before they had <laughs> so, lasers. Like so, supposedly, East Asian people um, sweat less. Okay, I've heard that. So, so yeah, they have they have different sebaceous glands than we do. Really? Yeah, I was I was. So when I was taking Japanese in high school, I was learning about this what? weirdly because they it means they do their laundry differently. Oh. And also they have like different earwax because of it. Like white people have the gross, like yellow, slimy, oily, greasy earwax. Oh, yeah, I got a lot. Apparently, like East Asian people have like a dry, flaky earwax. It's kind of gray and they can just kind of scrape it off and it doesn't like gunk up everything. The and wow. similarly, like. If you wear like a white shirt for too long, it gets kind of yellowed. Yeah. Because you have like the oily yellow skin gunk. Apparently, East Asian people, if they wear a shirt for too long, it gets gray. So they have to use different laundry methods than we do to 
spruce up their old shirts. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Also, that makes a lot of sense to me, too, because, uh, okay, this is going to be gross. I'm ready. Okay, get (laughs) ready. My body is ready. All right. So I've been told uh, by a doctor that my ear canals are shaped really weird. It so it it has resulted in me uh, getting a lot. Like this was told to me the third time a doctor had to like pl- like shoot a jet of water into my ear to plunge earwax out. Uh, oh, because like every few months I'll just go deaf, and it turns out that it's <laughs> a buildup of earwax. And that sucks. <laughs> yeah, and actually, aside recently, I thought that my AirPods had broken, but it turns out they were just filled up with earwax. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All I had to do was clean them with a toothbrush and then blow into them and get all the earwax out and they were fine. This has got to be like a resource that we could harvest somehow. (laughs) Renewable earwax, (laughs) human lanolin. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. It probably burns. I bet you could use it as a replacement for fossil fuels. (laughs) I would be. It it helps anti scarring moisturizing cream. (laughs) So. There's uh, uh, one of my roommates is Korean and she has these little um, they're Korean earwax cleaning devices, but they're just like it's a little piece of bamboo that's shaped like a tiny little spoon. And I and I looked at these things many times and thought there's like no way this can get your <laughs> earwax at like this would not work. Yeah. Earwax. And it must be because it's for Korean people's earwax, which is apparently it's different. Different than my, than my horrible earwax that maybe will make me a millionaire if we can figure out how to, how to, how to, use <laughs> how to market it properly. There's got to be a service where you can like request like a, a like a part of the organ organ harvesting process where they can harvest an Asian person's sebaceous glands. <laughs> oh my god! Could you have a sebaceous gland transplant? I think. Well, I think you would have to have like. A thousand of them. <laughs> I feel like there's got to be more than a thousand. Like how many? How many do you think I ha- you have a per like square inch of skin multiplied by your, like your whole body? Okay, this is why I think that that thing about Bruce Lee getting his uh, sweat glands removed has to be false, right? Like you'd have to have like your skin peeled back, and then you'd have to like scrape them out. Did they ever like just dump them in a vat of acid? <laughs> <laughs> or just remove the king sweat gland and then the rest of them fall into line. <laughs> the control gland. Like zombies. Okay, so the things that mammals have is like fur and milk. And if birds are taking milk, what else do ma- what what do mammals have left to keep us separate from the birds? Oh yeah, cuz they've got they're warm-blooded too, right? God. Fuck. Um Live birth. Are there birds that do live birth? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they all have eggs. That's one way that we can feel superior still. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's way better. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Maybe the birds are just winning. Well, there's the kiwi. The kiwi, uh, a kiwi's egg is so large compared to the kiwi's body that there's a period of time that pregnant kiwis can't walk. Um, oh my god! Yeah, wow! It's because they're um, a dwarf version of a uh, of a of the moa bird, which was like the largest land dwelling or the lar- land dwelling bird. What am I talking about? The largest bir- flightless bird, um, uh, and the moa was hunted to extinction by the uh, New Zealand natives. But because 
the dwarf version, the kiwi, doesn't have a lot of meat. Like the moa is like a giant, slow-moving animal that you just throw a spear at, I imagine, and then eat for months. And uh, but the kiwi got left alone, so they were able to thrive, even though they have this period of immobility where they're pregnant with their eggs, with their gigantic wow. eggs. With eggs as big as they are. Yeah. So at least there's one bird species that has like that is uh, debilitated during pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can I can I talk about how how weirded out I was when I found out that the kiwi bird was like a foot tall? <laughs> what? Is it really? Yeah, they're That's... not like they're not the size of the fruit. But then that means a kiwi egg is like a foot tall. Yeah. Yeah, the kiwi egg That's is That's like huge. an ostrich egg. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the moa was larger than an ostrich. Oh my god. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a fascinating story of uh evolution like for a long time people evolutionary scientists were trying to figure out why the kiwi had such a large egg because every other bird has an egg that's proportional to their body size. Yeah. Uh, and the kiwi egg is like way off the scale. Um, turns out cause it is a, it used to be a much larger bird and it got dwarfed. It's egg. Oh, go wow. Interesting. Wait, you expected uh, the, so you expected the kiwi to be the size of a kiwi fruit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was th- thinking like bigger than a kiwi fruit, but not like a lot bigger, you know, like, like fits in the I palm of your hand. Because I'd, yeah, like, I'd never seen the bird, like, next to a quarter. <laughs> Which is the way you judge all size, right? <laughs> right all right. birds. All birds. <laughs> all right. You guys ready for a new topic? Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with lex- lexicalized emoji. I've been on Discord a lot lately in the past while. And, like, a Discord lets you use any of the like twemoji emoji set to react to a message right yeah and so like my friends and i have developed this whole little dialect of using emoji reacts to respond to messages where we have like lexicalized like this particular emoji has a really specific meaning like this little iconograph so for context here this is like you are attaching it's like a when you click the like button on facebook yeah and how you can pick like from five reactions and then like there's a at, at under each message there's a the number of times each reaction has been selected right yeah it's like that except you can use literally any emoji in the set of emoji right so so give us an example um okay so uh the we started using the the turkey emoji to mean thanks because thanksgiving Okay. All right. So if you want to thank somebody for something, you can put a turkey on it. Um, uh, we started using the the hatching chick emoji for like, oh, that's cute. Uh-huh. So if, if something's cute, you'd put the chick on it. Um, what else? Uh, there's just like some other like kind of back channel verbal handshake st- type stuff. So like if somebody says something that you want to hear more about, you could put the ear emoji for like, I'm listening or tell me more. Okay. And yeah. If you're having a hard time expressing a thought, you could put the bug emoji for like, I don't know how to say this. This is like vi- um, visualized Cockney rhyming slang. Yeah. And like, I didn't even, <laughs> I hadn't even realized that this was like weird or that we had built up this whole like weird visual jargon set until I started talking to new people on Discord and I would, you know, like put a, 
an apple on something and they would be like, what does an apple mean? And I'm like, oh, it's like a, my apologies, apple apologies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, I don't know. All of these different little symbols have slowly accreted meaning for us over time. And now they're our own little dialect that nobody else understands. Do you find that your messages, so like when you're messaging back and forth, is it English interspersed with emojis and like the, so your sentences are shorter? Um, sometimes like I'll definitely like sometimes use an emoji instead of a word. Like that thing was like 100 emoji or okay hand. <laughs> I am definitely not facile enough with emojis to find one faster than I can type the equivalent word. Oh, see a lot. One thing I have discovered is that Discord will automatically replace emoji if you like surround the name of the emoji with colons. So I right, yeah. I just have to know the name of it and just, I can just type it straight in or they have a little <laughs> emoji finder. Uh wait, so instead of instead of uh not using English and using pictures to make things more efficient, you're uh, ins inserting English and then having the English. Yes, I'm writing English to get <laughs> pictures instead of English. But then like after someone reacts once with the thanks, with the turkey thanks to a message, anybody else can just click that turkey to, to increase the number. It's true. Yeah. Oh, oh. So you like you'll... Yeah, you can you can increment it. So like one person will put like a little thought bubble for like that. That was a thought provoking argument. And then like everybody will just dogpile that like, yeah, I also thought that. Oh, just another fun thing is that Discord lets you create custom emoji. So there's also ones that just aren't even in the normal emoji set that we have. This is on its way to being a full blown language. Like, you're, yeah, like eventually we just aren't even going to need English. Yeah. That's interesting. Or the old language is obsolete. I feel like. Having emoji in my uh, autocorrect for my phone. I have dyslexia. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and adding emojis is like a level of extra complication. But as I'm... Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't... I haven't used them really. Um, but I think that's just because I'm... I just... I don't... I, I, like, like Jim, like I'm overwhelmed by the emoji selection. So I'll be like, oh, oh, I think there's probably emoji for this. And then I'll spend so much time looking that I'll miss the conversation on text. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah there's there's so many of them. Yeah. Um, but I feel like having my auto, my auto, uh, uh, auto complete thing on my phone uh, and on the text message on my computer suggests emojis and it's made me feel like I have uh, synesthesia or something because I'll like, <laughs> I'll start to type and then different pictures of stuff will come up as it's trying to, uh, as it's, as it's trying to figure out what I might be saying. Right. Huh. So I'll be like halfway through, uh, through a text message. And as I'm doing it, there'll be like a picture of a piano will appear out of context. And then like, I'll be like, <laughs> can you do this? And a picture of a can will appear and then disappear really quickly. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's definitely enriched my experience, but not like, not in, not in a lexical way. That's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I will often, um, I, I have a similar like pattern matching keyboard on my phone and I will try to like, sometimes I want like three train emojis in a row just to really sell it, just to sell mm -hmm. like, it's not just one train, it's three trains. And so I'll type in train and the train icon will appear and I'll click it 
and then I have to type in train again because then the the, the image went away. See, and then I'll I'll just copy the first train and paste it, which is oh, like also cumbersome, but that's that's clever, yeah. I wasn't with you until I wasn't with you at the second train, but at the third train you really sold me. Right, yeah, no, it's <laughs> I'm really on this train. <laughs> It, it's actually really amusing to me how how many different train emoji there are. Yeah, when I want to express the concept of train and emoji, I have options, and I don't know which one to pick. I had no idea. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like the dog that starves because it can't choose which bowl to eat out of. <laughs> what, is that a is that a story? I don't. I've never heard uh, that. Before. You heard I actually, that? No. I actually thought you'd be able to to tell me what I was talking about, Avery, because that's like a. I think it's a like a a, a koan or like a philosophical koan or something like that. <laughs> well, there's a there. I mean, there's a psychology experiment where you get like there's like a rat that can eat from a. It has a bar that it can push to receive a treat, and then it has a bar that it can push to stimulate uh, electrodes that are in its pleasure center, and the rat just dies because it's just hitting the pleasure center <laughs> bar over and over again. Right. Uh, the, the the idea was that like the the bowls are equally uh, like equally delicious and equidistant and so it's literally unable to make the <laughs> dis- decision this is like if the dog is like a an art badly programmed artificial intelligence oh yeah yeah but it's like how in early versions of the sims like if your sim had to both sleep and pee <laughs> it, would, it would just explode. it would just like but it would just like I what do, like what take, do I do? It just stands take a step freaking toward out. the bed, then take a step toward the toilet, and then repeat until it like pees in a puddle on the floor and then goes to sleep in it. <laughs> oh, I see why people play that game. <laughs> Sims is amazing. I knew a guy who was playtesting Sims Two, I think it was, and he had to playtest it for. I used to work at a coffee shop that was near um, a company that did video game testing. And this guy had to play Sims 2 for three years straight. Yeah, that's a that's a, a, a playtesting lifestyle that I've never seen firsthand. Like as a like as an indie game developer, I will um ask people like, hey, you want to check out my game and give me feedback on it? But they're not doing rigorous like industrial strength test every possible option. Over in every possible condition, which is what like real QA is. Um, they're just playing the game. I, I you you've got it like that's got to be done now by like you don't need human beings to do that anymore, do you? This was like early two thousands that I knew this guy. You get like that AI that plays StarCraft that like it trained itself <laughs> on t- playing two million hours of StarCraft in high speed simulation, but you train it on the Sims no, instead. You- you do need people because there people are the ones who are going to recognize when something is wrong. Right. It doesn't know that the Sim shouldn't pee itself and then go to sleep. No, <laughs> or, the Sims should do that. <laughs> I, in fact, I hope that bug is still in the, the most recent Sims because it's core to the experience. Yeah. If your Sims are like functional beings that can take care of themselves, this is not the same game. Like what, what's, what are you, what am I there for? Right. Like, you just live your life. I have never played or seen. I've, I think I've saw The Sims 1, or perhaps I'm thinking of SimCity. I think my I think my knowledge of Simness stops at SimCity. So the, the idea of The Sims in general is like, 
it's a little hard for me to wrap my mind around what you're actually doing in this game. I mean, you got you got some some little sims, the people, and uh, the first you know two days of playing the game is making sure that their faces and outfits are perfect and that they have the perfectly designed house. And then you give them personality traits and dreams and aspirations. And then you just wreck their lives and you, you know, try to set up romances between them and other Sims, or you try to get them to, you know, follow their career dreams or whatever. And sometimes you put them in a pool and take away the ladder to get out. Or sometimes you just don't let them fulfill any of their needs and they sit there crying about how they haven't slept in days. So it's like having children. Kind of. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there was this there was this really good Sims story that got documented online. Like, I don't know, like kind of like a webcomic. It was called Alice and Kev, I think. <laughs> I, I recommend it. Alice and Kev is like somebody tried to make homeless Sims. And so they made like this this empty lot with just like a bench on it. And that was their house. And then it was like this guy, the single father and his daughter. And the, they made the, the father like the shittiest person imaginable. And they were like, can this girl grow up to be an OK person? And then they just documented her growing up in The Sims. I need to have Alex and Kev on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I want to hear from them. I wonder what topics they would choose. <laughs> How my dad is a terrible person. Alice would be like, I just want to sleep in a bed. <laughs> I would like to take a shower, bench please. With anti-homeless spikes on it. God, right? Honestly, Sims is a lot more homeless people friendly than the real world is. I can imagine, yeah. Part of it is just because it has that normal video game weirdness where you can just walk into anybody's house and they're like, I guess this is fine. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is normal. I, I just saw a movie from the 70s. That's a it's a it was a movie version of a play by Kurt Vonnegut. It was really good. I'd never heard of the movie before. Uh, and there's a scene in it where it's about a part of it is about a guy who's been away like uh adventuring and finding treasure and stuff for a long time. And his family thinks he's dead and his son has never met him. And he returns and just walks into the house with his friend. And it struck me that this could have only happened in the seventies. Like he comes home and there's somebody else there. And the guy is like, are you robbing the place? And he's like, no, 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 don't worry. But he doesn't reveal who he is. And people are just <laughs> okay with him coming into the house. As long as he's not going to rob the house. Like the son comes home and meets him. And it's like, there's just a strange man in the house. And they talk for, he's like, I was a friend of your father's. And they talk for a while, like nothing's wrong. <laughs> I think all it takes is for the first person to be like, Oh, I guess I'll let this happen. And then everybody else is like, well, the, everybody else is letting it happen. Right. And at that point, there's just kind of, this is the way things are. It's the social license. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess it's fine that this hat guy is here. What was the movie? Uh, it's called Happy Birthday Wanda June. Um, okay. It was really good. Uh, I, I checked and it's really hard to find. It was at the Roxy. The, the, there was supposed to be someone that was going to introduce it, but they were sick. So... Instead, the guy who was working the concession chain just came up and told everybody to donate to the theater. So <laughs> really an explanation of how it got to them. They found it in a, in, a, in a drawer somewhere. Just like the last stall in the bathroom. We don't know what's in it. 
Just here, here, if you could pay five bucks and you can watch our our debut of this reel. Didn't that happen with like the the some extra footage of the moon landing or something was discovered in like NASA's storage facility? <laughs> wow, yeah. I don't know about that. I I worked at NASA in high school, and I it sounds like something that would happen at NASA. There's just like a lot of there's a lot of storage out there. You mean in space? <laughs> yes. <laughs> space, the largest storage facility. By storage facility, I am imagining like one of those like endless corridors full of like metal pull down doors. Except like you open it up and there's yeah. just NASA equipment in there. There's like a satellite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like the it's like the Raiders of the Lost Ark storage room, except with space <laughs> junk. This one's just like you open this one up and moon, moon rocks spill out. <laughs> oh no! A lot of a lot of what they had stored at uh, where I worked was blueprints. Blueprints that when you pulled them out of their storage would crumble in your hands. You need to use special gloves or something. Yeah, people didn't seem really very concerned that the blueprints. Like part of my job was organizing blueprints in this huge underground area like when i didn't have anything else to do which i mean they were they were probably just like they had ridden them off already and like maybe this kid can do something with these and get value out of them somehow <laughs> these aren't part of our precious history yeah there's a lot of stuff like that at nasa there were, uh you know the building that i used to work in was seti at one point and um i my coworkers found like a binder from when seti is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence um, yeah, uh, they found a binder from when it was SETI, and because I was always like the even at NASA, I was like the nerd kid. They just gave me this binder, and I took it home, and it's just full of it's full of like it's pages and pages of numbers, which I assume are like some kind of readout or something. Um, you got to give those numbers to SETI at home. Oh yeah, and that that's my guess for what that is. Is that like SETI at home? What you're what what the computers are searching for is um sets of like repeating set spikes in a in a radio frequency signal. So they're looking for like first they're looking for like a pair of large spikes and then they're looking for a third one that's equidistant. And so like those numbers might just be like this is the they're they're writing down this is the signal we received from at from this over this period of time. All saved in a binder, <laughs> saved in a binder, and then left in, right <laughs> in a room yeah. full of other documents. And if it crumbled, no one would have given a shit. Yeah. Uh, all right. I wanted to talk about um, the story of the guy who wanted and then didn't want a mattress. Yes. So I was um, trying to get rid of an old mattress. I just rep- I'd gotten a new mattress, and I was like, this this old mattress needs to go. Yeah. I don't want to throw it away, so I put it on Craigslist. And it just, you know, I propped it up against my wall um, and six months went by and no one, no one called. It was still propped up against my wall. The cats loved it, by the way. The cats would like climb on top and like perch atop the mattress. Oh man, that's like a a perfect cat tower. Yeah, yeah. And they could, they could, their claws just like made it super easy for them to climb. Yeah. At one point, Avil, I'm pretty sure caught a moth on top of that because like the moth was up there she uh-huh. ran up there i didn't see it go down but like she looked very satisfied and the moth was gone <laughs> so like, like 
Do you think yeah. they, they peed on it? Who could tell? Sure. <laughs> After all the times I peed on it. <laughs> I feel like cat pee has a distinctive bouquet. Yeah. I, Fair enough. But I guess I've never smelled your pee, Jim. Maybe it smells like kit. Elena's maybe smelled it before. You guys are siblings. Uh, my, my wife recently, like, she, well, she, she, she's always, she was always just like, hey, could you hydrate more? Because your pee smells really bad right now. And I started recently, well, okay, fine. I'm going to start, like, measuring, like, keeping track in my head of the amount of liquid I drink each day and trying to hit a certain milestone. Um, and it actually did help a lot. Like, my pee is noticeably less brown now. Yeah, th- so I don't. I didn't realize this was a family thing, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink like any water either, and also have I don't know very concentrated urine. I didn't even realize that it was supposed to not be that. I don't notice when I'm thirsty. I I have no sense of thirst. That's funny. I I can go a day and forget that I ate, but like I get thirsty really easily like thirst is very uncomfortable for me i get kidney stones yeah like i I had a a kidney stone at age 20 that's your sign of thirst that's yeah (laughs) there it is once a decade i'll be in stabbing kidney pain i'll be oh yeah i should drink water all of this reminds me of a story that i feel like i really want to tell but we also haven't actually we haven't actually gotten to the part where the guy wanted a mattress (laughs) okay he was he was gonna want the mattress and then stop wanting the mattress so. right yeah so i i got um i got a call so i posted i posted it again on craigslist like this mattress still here free to a good home um and i got uh i got a call someone came in and took a look at it and was like hmm, looking for something a little bit newer and he <laughs> left because it, it was pretty torn up like i understand why yeah. this guy wouldn't want this mattress um and then the next day I got another call f- from a guy who was like super frantic, like, do you still have the mattress? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, come on in, dude. <laughs> and, and he came in and he said, oh, this is perfect. And <laughs> he tried to give me a $20 bill and I was just like, no, man, just just take it and go. Um, <laughs> I don't want your goddamn money. <laughs> take my mattress and get out of here. <laughs> and he, he, he put it under his arm. Um, the whole mattress just <laughs> how tall was he <laughs> just kind of dragging it you know um dra- when i left the front door and i was like finally i'm rid of this thing um and then when i went when i went out for dinner that night it was like on the sidewalk 50 feet from my front door <laughs> just he got tired of dragging it yeah he was just like I, he and he had been saying like oh yeah the guys are gonna love this like maybe he called the guys and they didn't love it <laughs> Maybe the guys are just 50 feet from his front door. They loved it and they were done. Yeah, maybe they were all going to jump yeah, on we're, the Yeah, we're finished loving this. You can, <laughs> you can leave it on the sidewalk now. And it was just there for like a month because like what I was I was like, this isn't my responsibility anymore, is it? This is like, yeah, the guy's responsibility. Guy the Am I the asshole subreddit didn't exist yet. Oh, no. How else can you know? Right. Um, And it occurred to me that, like, if I had taken the 20, I bet he would have gone through with uh, the process. I bet he would have dragged it all the way home because he was in for the 20 20 bucks at that point. The sunken mattress fallacy. 
Right. <laughs> maybe the guys, maybe he was like, the guys are really going to enjoy this out on the sidewalk. The guys might just be like the feral cats in your neighborhood. <laughs> this mattress was his gift to the neighborhood squirrels. Don't, I've never sold anything on uh, Craigslist, and I'm, I have a hundred-year-old's pump organ that has been taking up space in my room that I don't want to get rid of because it's a hundred-year-old pump organ, but also I'm realizing that I need to get rid of it, and I've been carrying it around for I've been carrying it around for years because I figured if I had it in my room, I would just start learning a keyboard instrument. I play guitar, um, right? And it's just never that doesn't that's not it. It's not true. That's not real. It's just it's just a thing where I, I throw my coats on top of it now. Um, and uh, initially, I thought we would like. Uh, you know, the, so the pump organ, it, it has, it, ha, it had a huge decorative, like, it was really decorative when I found it. Um, I found it in a junk shop and it was uh, advertised as no reasonable offer refused. And I had a friend, <laughs> <laughs> because it was a cursed organ. Um, and I, I, had a, I had a friend with me who, uh, who was an apprentice to an organ maker. And I asked him to look at it and I was like, I want to take off all the external wood and rebuild it so that it's easy so that my band like so that it would be more portable so my band can take it around uh and so i was like hey can you look at this tell me if we can fix it and tell me if you think it's very old because i don't want it i don't want to destroy it if it's really old and he took a look and he told me it was from the 70s and that we could fix it and so we took it home and we started tearing it apart and we found a certificate on the inside of the organ that said that it had been refurbished by its second owner in uh 1895 <laughs> Oh wow! Eighteen ninety five. Yes, it's second. That's owner. not the seventies. No, and then my friend was like, "Oh yeah, I thought that was plastic on the keys. It's actually bone. This is very old." <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, but by that point we had like torn off all the external wood and like oh, no. broke the frame so that we could make it smaller. Um, we went through with it and finished it up and stuff, and now and just never we used it on a recording once, but like my idea was that it would be small and we could um tour with it but it's very cumbersome to to move around um it, it's really impractical so a pump organ is like you have to there's somebody needs to be like operating the bellows for it to make noise is that right yeah you sit at it and there are like pedals and you 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 pump the you pump the bellows with your feet like like bicycle pedals almost so you're like pumping right. it up and down while you play it and it makes sort of a huge accordion sound huh. right and do you use that musically like do you is it like an accordion in that like the pumping action is how you choose where the notes begin and end oh uh no because it fills up it inflates a bellows and then the bellows has um there's like a pressure like springs or something on the inside that that closes the bellows uh so you actually want to just keep up you know what? I shouldn't be so authoritative about this because I don't actually play it's cool. it. Nobody else knows what a pump organ is. <laughs> as as specified at the beginning of this, I never actually learned how to play it. Um, but uh, I think mostly you just want to keep a constant pressure in the bellows so that you don't run out of sound. Um, right. So it's like you're powering. It's like if you were powering... Um, uh, your room by running on a treadmill and you didn't want to stop running. and touching the bones of some dead creature 
Yeah, 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 and, and yes, of course, and touching, and touching, touching bones and carcasses. You're just gently caressing them. Yeah, that's weird, right? Ivory. It's weird that ivory is what ended up on keys. You're essentially you're like touching something's teeth. Oh, it's yeah. plastic now, thank God. <laughs> and then ebony is what is ebony? Is that a that a, a, a mineral? Okay. <laughs> a tree is a perfectly reasonable material. I, I agree. Um, all right, Avery, uh, tell us about uh, singing cowboys and their ethical codes. Oh, yes. <clears throat> okay. So uh, let me pull up one of these things here. Uh, so singing cowboys was a phenomenon uh, from the 1930s to about the 1950s for some reason. Um, they had... Uh, like Gene Autry and Roy Rogers. These were guys that were in movies and had their own TV shows and both were like cowboy actors and sang. Um, and also a lot of, and there were lots of these singing cowboys and they all, a lot of them had, they were like fan somewhere between my reading of this is that this was somewhere between a fan club and uh, like the boy scouts like you, you would be you a child fan of say, Roy Roy Rogers would be uh, in, inducted into this thing, and there was a creed that you had to keep, and um, uh, there was like stuff that you had to do. Some of these required you to be to put money into a savings account. <laughs> oh, but but not but not Gene Autry's savings account. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no yeah no it was more about like building good citizens through singing cowboys right uh and so like here's uh, you want me to read roy rogers's uh rules the right sure rules. let's let's hear it <clears throat> all right so one is be neat and clean two is be courageous and polite three is always obey your parents four <laughs> is protect the weak and help them five is be brave but never take chances Six is study hard and learn all you can. Seven is be kind to animals and take care of them. Uh, eight is eat all your food and never waste any. Uh, nine is love God and go to Sunday school regularly, like all good cowboys. <laughs> ten is always respect our, respect our flag and our country. Again, like all good so, cowboys. Do these take precedence over each other, like like Asimov's rules for robotics? <laughs> One is do no harm. What is, uh, uh, no, ape shall not harm ape is ape law, not robotics law, right? Uh, four legs good, two legs bad, I think is what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess be neat and clean takes precedent over all of them. Right, yeah, yeah. like you don't have to obey your parents if they're telling you to be dirty. <laughs> right. Oh, right, yeah, good point. Or if you're in the middle of cleaning your room. Or if God is telling you to be dirty. <laughs> Meanwhile, if your parents tell you to, you have to be cruel to animals. <laughs> but if somebody, t- if somebody, if somebody, if, wait, okay. If God tells you to eat all your food and never waste it, wait. If God tells you to waste food, that's below. Uh, yeah, God. you should basically just shouldn't listen to God yeah. about most things. God is second to last here. I mean, that's how cowboys li- like. I'm I'm familiar with cowboys as outlaws. This is the Wild West. Yeah, 
Like, it's a godless place, right? The West? But not a parentless place. <laughs> or, or uncleanly. No, one of, one of the no it's very tidy do. in the Wild West. I guess cowboys weren't outlaws, right? But they were like, they did live in the Wild West where there were not really laws. I guess, yeah, it's it's not so much that they were outlaws so much as the sheriff was the only lawman. Yeah. Oh, man. I was arrested by the sheriff once. Um, what? Yeah. I I turned myself in without real... I, I, I got a... Uh, I got a permit um or a, a permit i've got a uh, warrant for my arrest in the mail a bench warrant which is like if they pull you over they ha- they might arrest you but they're not going to come looking for you and i did had no idea what it was for and it had come from i used you didn't to say no <laughs> it's not say. fyi if we see you we'll arrest you not saying why <laughs> yeah <laughs> for secret reasons <laughs> i think they might say they might have to t- oh god i don't know and so it had been. You don't have rights. <laughs> your your rights have been revoked. We can't tell you why. <laughs> oh, so it turns out. So I went to. Uh, it was it was years old. This thing, um, and I I went to. If it was from when I lived in the South Bay, so I, I went to the court in Redwood City, and the court clerk took a look at it and was like, "This is very old. You have to go to the sheriff's office in Santa Clara." And I went to the sheriff's office. And I walked into the sheriff's office and handed the clerk the warrant and was like, they told me to come here to see about this. And the guy looked at it and walked away. And there followed like a half an hour period where I was just waiting in the sheriff's office. And there are all of these paintings or there are all these pictures of all the Santa Clara County sheriffs going back to before Santa Clara County was incorporated. And back like the first few sheriffs really look like like one of them looked like crazy buff Edgar Allan Poe. Like, <laughs> like with the weird forehead. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And like the weird little spindly mustache and stuff, and like a weird like <laughs> like Wild West neck thing, you know, like a like like a bow type. Like the cravat. Yeah. Or like, what do you call yeah. that? <laughs> like a neckerchief? Is it? I think it's. <laughs> oh, oh man, do you think? Do you, I want to. I want to wear old old Western neckwear like that a little bolo tie yeah you can start you can start today yeah it's true if it looks like you just tie something around your neck whatever's available bends the rules <laughs> right and so yeah and like at some point you can tell when uh santa clara got incorporated and it it, it no longer was like the sheriff was just the craziest guy with the gun because all of a sudden the sheriff starts looking more like a bureaucrat. Like it's like sort of a pudgy guy with like a walrus mustache instead of a crazy look his eye and stuff. So, right. Because he doesn't have to enforce the law by looking scary. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he got others to do that for him. Right. So then after waiting there for half an hour, I got a sheriff came out of a room and was like, Avery, come with me. And I came with him. And he handcuffed me to a chair. And I was like, I guess this is just what happens when I did not understand I was being arrested. I was like, this must be what it's like when you have to. This is just how they say hello (laughs) in Santa Clara. (laughs) (laughs) And he had me empty everything out of my pockets. And I was like, okay, sure. I was like, I just want to talk about the, uh, the, the warrant that I brought you. And he was like, yeah. Uh, decide to turn yourself in, huh? And I was like, <laughs> no, 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 what? No, what? Wait, what's happening? And then he's, he, he like 
put his hands up as though to like calm me down and said, I don't want you to freak out, but I'm arresting you. It's <laughs> <laughs> the new Miranda. <laughs> I don't want you to freak out, but I'm arrested. <laughs> and then he read me my rights, and I was like, I didn't, I didn't, what's going on? And, it was like, and he says, you came into the sheriff's office with a warrant for your own arrest. Why did you do that? I have to arrest you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I, my, the, the court clerk told me to come here, and he said, boy, I would go beat up that court clerk. And I thought, do not. Do not divulge your plans to beat up the court clerk in front of the sheriff. <laughs> oh, no. And then uh, he was like, well, let me look on the computer and see what this warrant is for. And it turned out to be an unpaid jaywalking ticket from 1998 <laughs> from wow. when I was 18. You got arrested for jaywalking. <laughs> yes. And I spent the night like I, I could only remember one friend's. Uh, he like the sheriff seemed embarrassed by what was happening and like promised me. First, he promised me that it would only be two hours in jail, which was wrong. I was there for 13 hours. And be because he told me it was only going to be two hours, I was convinced. I was in a holding cell. I was convinced that I was going to real prison because uh, I talked to a bail bond officer who was like, if I don't get the paperwork in time, you're going to have to go to like actual prison. Shit. <laughs> it's like, what am I going to do if I go to prison for jaywalking? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, I'm gonna get killed. Like I can't tell them that I'm there for jail. Sitting there on the group W bench. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kept. I was trying to keep my spirits up by telling people jokes, and a friend later told me, like by joking around that I was in prison. And a friend later told me that uh, they thought I was probably freaking people out because, like, at the, at the very end, it became apparent that I was getting out because they kept shifting us from. I went in with a group of people. They kept shifting us from holding cell to holding cell. And every time they did, it would whittle down to, to a smaller group of people. At the end, it was just me and, coincidentally, the only other white person uh, that was mm. in the holding cell. And then we saw everybody else that we had been with walk by in orange jumpsuits. And it became apparent that we were going to leave. And that is when I turned to this guy and said, we're just two men alone in a prison cell. Let's just do what comes natural. And he said, what? <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, nothing, nothing, nothing. Sorry. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff like that that didn't. And then, oh, and then on the way out, I asked to the guy who gave me my, um, like, they keep all the stuff from your pockets. And then on the way out, the guy was giving me my stuff back. And I asked him if Reagan was still president. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so have you written your own cover of Alice's restaurant yet. <laughs> oh, I never even thought of that. <laughs> oh boy. That's right. Uh cuz the yeah, I I don't know why. This is the story of how he he got arrested yeah, for Yeah, for ridiculous <laughs> for minor dumb. petty crimes. Yes. Oh. Boy, I'm a musician. I I feel like I've got to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we have maybe time for one more. Um, Elena, do you want to pick? You go ahead and pick another one since that's what we're doing this episode. So, dimensions and candy space. I've got chocolate, fruit, and what? Is there more? Oh, nougat? What's nougat? So, I, I feel like nougat is on the chocolate side of things. But, but I think nougat is made from nuts. Like, historically. Is it that that's the fluffy stuff inside of a. Three Musketeers, right? 
Yeah, yeah. that's nougat. But right. I think the and Three Musketeers nougat is pretty much just corn syrup at this point. <laughs> and probably the same. I was going to say caramel, but that's also corn syrup. <laughs> it turns out the third dimension of candy this whole time was corn syrup. <laughs> it all just projects into the corn syrup dimension. Well, that's that's just in the United <laughs> States, though. All right, other so countries gotta, still have rather regular cane sugar. I gotta try other candies, other countries' candies. Have you ever had, um, uh, oh, come back to me when I think of it. Licorice. No, me- the Mexican candy, um, the one tamarindo. that's covered in chili yes, powder. Yes, the tamarind candy, yeah. I- I've had tamarind candy. It's, it's weird. They had these, so I, I grew up in San yeah, Diego, and so the teachers would reward us with candy, but because... You know, they're teachers and don't have salary and they have to buy the candy themselves. They would get Mexican candy because it's like way cheaper. Here you go, kids. It probably has sled in it or something. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Who knows what was in that candy? And so it was just like all of this weird, unrecognizable candy that I assume, you know, kids who grew up in the culture of that candy were very excited about. And I was just trying to identify the ingredients and I didn't right. know what any of it was, but it was like tamarind candy and chili candy. And the, the tamarind candy would come in these little tubes with like a grid on top and you could squeeze yes. it and it would like extrude through the little grid into these weird tamarind. Oh, that, that was actually deodorant. You were supposed to rub <laughs> it under your arms. Oh, that's what I was doing wrong. Is that, that smells great. Is that, is that tamarind? <laughs> yeah, you want some? Just <laughs> look it right off me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like tamarind is like it, it. Like the tamarind candy drives home to me that there's cultures where, like, candy is just a is diff. Like they have a different idea of what candy should be, right? I mean, but tamarind is a fruit. Yeah, but it's not a. It's not. It's there's. It's a weird flavor, right? It is kind of a weird flavor, but it's like weird We're, in the way that like figs are weird. Yeah. Figs are weird. Figs are weird. Do you know about fig wasps? Uh, I might, but please explain. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm not like an expert, but uh, the way that figs get fertilized and turn into fig fruit from being fig flowers is there's a type of wasp that crawls in there. I think they lay their eggs in there and so, then they can't get out. And this, they, they, but because they've been going around to different fig flowers, they fertilize the, the, the fig. And so inside of every fig fruit, there is a dead wasp. And that's because the only that's, way they fruit? That is the only way that a, a fig fruit can happen is a wasp has to crawl in there and die. Oh. So, and you know how there's all those little crunchy fig seeds th- all throughout the fig? It's uh-huh. like any one of those could be the wasp. You don't uh, know. <laughs> lucky you. You could have gotten right? the wasp. <laughs> Yay. Oh, wow. Well, I, I, if, if this is true, you always get the wasp. I mean, you could cut, cut your fig in half and, half and share oh, it with someone. You, yes. You're so, right. You're right. That also, that's, that's like Russian roulette yeah, with yeah. wasps. Or like the, that thing where like. At, there's there's only there's only like one bullet in the firing squad or something, so everybody right, can, yeah, or one gun doesn't have a bullet in it or something, so everybody can believe that it was them that didn't kill the guy. Right, yeah, it gives you plausible deniability. <laughs> Maybe I didn't eat the wasp. Maybe they ate the wasp. I, that's why I always set aside a single seed from every fig I. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> it's what for Elijah. Fig, 
So do you think <laughs> there's guaranteed to be a wasp in every fig Newton as well? You know, uh, I don't, how many figs go into one Newton, right? Yeah, there's going to be multiple figs. I mean, those things are fucking loaded with figs, right? <laughs> yeah, they just you just take like 20 figs and compress them down into pure concentrated figness. Yes, yeah, so right. it's got to be like, yeah. and 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 it's probably fig puree, so there's got to be like wasp parts just mixed in with all the all the yeah. fig newtons. I so I've heard this story before and it didn't seem plausible to me because how could I not have known this already? Basically was my reasoning. <laughs> They've, they've been keeping it a secret from you, big fig. I'll, I'll probably search on Snopes or something. Yeah, look this up. Verify this for me. And, and put the result in the show notes. Well, they're definitely wasp galls, right? Which are like the those big, uh, a certain kind of wasp that lays its eggs on um, an oak tree and it'll sting the yeah. oak tree. And when it stings the oak tree, the oak tree swells up around the eggs. It gets like a little tumor. Yeah, and then the... Wasps are born in there and eat their way out of the out of the tumor. But I don't know. Wasps I, are fucked up. Like, do wasps? Is there a single wasp in the world that has like just a normal life cycle? <laughs> no, they're all like either brain controlling wasps or like, you know, those wasps—the ones that control the can can control the brains of. Uh, <laughs> well, you, Elena was just reading a horror. You were just reading a horror story about this. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you. Oh, yeah, yeah, cordyceps like the mushroom. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know that there were wasps that did it. What What benefit does the wasp get from controlling it, the brain of something? It It can control the brain of a specific kind. A specific kind of wasp can control the brain of a specific kind of beetle. And what it does is it lands on the beetle, inserts its stinger, I guess, into the beetle's brain, and then it's able to like drive the beetle. <laughs> Like a car? <laughs> yes. Just for fun. Just yeah. to like drive them around, crash them into each other. <laughs> it's a lot of Drunk fun. teenage wasps. <laughs> and they like, they drive the beetle into a hole. I guess the beetle digs the hole and then like the wasp waits for the beetle to dig the hole and then it's like sweet and it drives the beetle This wasp the is just too lazy to dig its own damn hole. <laughs> and then it lays its babies <laughs> inside of the beetle and leaves. Wow. Wasps are so messed up. Yeah, it's, like I knew, I knew that there were wasps that parasitized other wasps. Like it's just yeah. wasps all the way down. Yeah, like there's multiple layers of wasps parasiting other wasps. But I didn't know <laughs> they, call, they call it a wasp king. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about the beetles. Yeah, they, yeah, they're not they're not content to just fuck with each other. They've also got to <laughs> they've also got to really mess up some beetles in the process. <laughs> Yeah, they're like they're minutian wasps, which are parasitic, right? And they're they're microscopic, and it's a big, uh, it's a big scientific mystery about how they came to be because um, that was almost a play on words. Be um, <laughs> how they came to wasp. <laughs> and these these microscopic wasps are like they've got all the same parts as normal wasps, so it appears there was some kind of evolutionary pressure that made them get smaller and smaller and smaller until they became microscopic, which is like the kiwis. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like the, <laughs> right. like, like the microscopic kiwis, like parasitic kiwis. Yeah. So, those ones. What you're saying is the wasps themselves are microscopic, but their eggs are like the size of chicken eggs. <laughs> right. They didn't get any smaller. And they lay them inside beetles or other wasps or figs. You know, or figs, yeah. <laughs> you could be eating a giant wasp egg that produces a <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, microscopic really. Microscopic wasp. 
I think the important takeaway here is that figs are can no longer be considered vegetarian or vegan. Oh my god, oh, you're right. God. Dang it. I was eating seaweed once and it occurred to me that the seaweed is covered in zooplankton and I am a vegetarian and I had a long moment where I was like, does that mean I can't eat kelp? And then I've decided that if it's large enough for me to see it is is my cutoff. Sure, okay, yeah. so you could eat those microscopic wasps. I could eat so many parasitic wasps. <laughs> but otherwise you like couldn't swallow your own saliva because of the bacteria in it. Do, right. Does that kill those so though? If, I, if, I bet some of some bacteria have died in your stomach, yes. <laughs> if it's not vegan to like, I don't know, profit off of the labor of other organisms without their consent or whatever the, the thing that lets you not have honey is, does that include your own microbiome? Like do the yeasts or whatever that live inside my gut, am I enslaving them? Oh, they're there on purpose. They're there because they want to be. It's a it's a mutually beneficial relationship. And when you die, uh, they take over. They like. Oh, shit. They start digesting you. Yeah. So they're just waiting. They're biding their time. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I don't feel bad about That's, it. That microbiome gets the last laugh. <laughs> you know, I heard a interview once with a guy in China who was running a restaurant that served tiger meat. And he was closing down and um, they were interviewing him and the interview was, gave the spin that like finally the Chinese government was going to crack down on serving tiger meat because for obvious reasons. What this guy was saying was that it was hard to catch tigers and it was infeasible to farm them. So... (laughs) <laughs> so they weren't they were gonna close down their restaurant. Tiger farming really seems like a <laughs> it could be an exciting job. God, yeah. <laughs> well it would what would happen is that you would breed more and more docile and more and fatter you would tigers. Domesticate them. Oh, oh, like those foxes. Like the foxes. Right. All right, now we have to talk about the foxes. <laughs> yeah, so the foxes, they they got the little floppy ears. And they started barking and wagging their tails just so like th- dogs for, do. But you have, to, you have to say, like, this is because people were breeding them to be more docile. Yeah, well, so they As were, they got more docile. Yeah, it was like 50 generations of breeding these foxes. And the only selection they were doing is they would, like, stick their hand near the cage. And if they, like, growled at it, then they didn't get to breed. Right? That was it. Yeah, right. yeah, it was something like, like that's... That to me is amazing because I've always assumed that domesticating a dog, I mean, probably in, in the wild, it took a long time, but I always assumed it must be like uh, tens of thousands of year process. But what that fox thing says seems to say is that there are some species that are that have something in their genome that makes them pliable like that, that makes them like amenable to domestication. Whereas, yeah, like, like I'm wondering, like, is it all mammals? Like, cause it's like a neural tube thing. Maybe it's anything that has like the, or maybe it's all chordates for all I know. <laughs> yeah, I, but there's like a whole theory that humans are self-domesticated apes, right? Oh right, I, yeah, I have not heard that. Oh what? Yeah, so like apparently humans have the same set of neotenous features oh, that yeah. these domesticated foxes developed. 
Like we have different vocalizations from other apes. We have more like childlike features. We have different coloration patterns. There was like a whole bunch of other stuff. We're like a lot more social and less aggressive. Yeah, I've heard the I've heard the uh I've heard the theory that we're neotenous apes. I did I didn't I never I never heard it framed in terms of domestication. That's really interesting. Yeah, because the the thing that the domestication did was it made them neotenous. They got right. all of these features that like only the children have. Uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Like the floppy ears and all that stuff and like a, a Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. Huh. That's fascinating. I know that it doesn't work with all animals though, right? Because like we've never domesticated zebras, but we have domesticated horses. And there's something about zebras that makes them huh. really difficult to domesticate. I um, didn't know that. Yeah. But there's something about horses that makes them amenable to it. I've always wondered like which animals have we actually tried to domesticate? Like have we made a concerted effort to be like, we're gonna only breed the friendly ones? <laughs> right. Like <laughs> Like, what if we did that to raccoons? Maybe they would turn out to be great. It'd be the change. <laughs> you know, I just have to get enough of a breeding population of raccoons that I could get 50 generations of them without them becoming inbred and spend the next however many years of my life testing whether raccoons are friendly. So the the fox thing was happening like on a, they were, they were. It was on a farm. They were trying to, to yeah, get they were, furs. They were, they were producing trying to get furs. Of, yeah. Yeah. To farm the foxes for their fur. And it turns out it totally ruins the fur. It changes the texture and the coloration. So it, it didn't even work for its intended purpose. They just discovered this other stuff incidentally. Right. But like, so, imagine the neotenous tigers, if you could farm tigers. Yeah. <laughs> yep. They just be like little tiger kittens. They would probably just turn into house cats. Yeah, honestly. But like cool colored house cats. And yes. Big. And I mean, like rats, right? Rats domesticate really easily because they're, um, or I guess there's a difference between domesticating them and making them into pets because rats make really good pets. And the way that that was discovered is that like exterminators in England captured rats and took them home and bred them to try to figure out their behavior patterns. And like, if it turns out just because they're social animals, if you raise them around people, they become attached to people and mm. like they like you can like i had a friend who taught her rats how to fetch and like they're very yeah rats can be really smart yeah and they like they're like the, they're like the kind of pet you want like my friend's rats used to set the, like free themselves and in the middle of the night and then go and just That's hang the kind out of pet i want <laughs> <laughs> they will they would then go and hang out like next to her bed and wait for her to wake up which is like Aww. to me that's like your pet that as soon as it gets an opportunity, runs away from you and never comes back. You probably didn't want yeah. that pet in the first right, place. Yeah. It probably wasn't working out well for either of you. Right. Um, and then like birds, like you could, you can, um, I had birds when I was a kid and some parrots make really good pets because they're, they're um, social animals. And like, mm -hmm. if they get raised around you, then they'll be social with you. But like, yeah, but like parrots can like outlive a person, whereas rats live for like three years, right? Yes. Yeah. A friend of mine, I don't know, like somehow it inherited a, um, a parrot and it hates everybody but its owner who died. 
It's, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like a major problem with owning parrots is that they they become imprinted on like you in particular and then they're going to outlive you. Yeah. Yeah. And then- right. And you, you leave them in your will to like, <laughs> here is this horrible burden I've placed upon you, my child. <laughs> this thing that can break your fingers and that hates you. Have you been bitten by a parrot? Those those suckers are nasty. Yeah, I have not. I'm lucky oh, enough. Man. Oh, I have. Have you? Really? Yeah, I, I, I was trying to say hi to a parrot once and it just chomped right through my finger. Oh my God. No, I, I've, I've always thought they were terrifying. Like, no, thank you. No, yeah, not getting know. near that. I, I the, the birds that I had when I was a kid were cockatiels, which are like the little, they're, they're parrot type birds. They have like parrot beaks, but they're smaller and have yellow faces yeah. and like crowns. Those mm-hmm. are really, those can be really good pets. Those don't live for, those only live long enough for you to get like super attached to them like a dog or something and then be heartbroken when they die. Oh, perfect. <laughs> you know what? A tortoise. That's a great pet. A tortoise is not going to run away from you. It's going to out- a family heirloom. Yeah. It's going to outlive you, but also it doesn't know who you are. <laughs> it, <it's, laughs> it doesn't know what's going on. It's not going to, it's not going to care when you die. <laughs> Yeah, no, like I was I was looking into rats because they sound like such a good pet, but they live so short. I was just like, that's tragic. I would like just be settling into my rat and falling in love with it and it'd be gone. Yeah, yeah. It would be like, and to you, the rat, the or to the rat, you're like, it's like mythical guardian that never ages. Right. <laughs> it'd be like, it's been through its entire life and you've you've not aged at all and you're feeding it and you're caring for it. This is reminding me of the idea I had for a uh, a kitchen appliance, which is just an octopus in a fish tank that can untangle wires for you. <laughs> <laughs> so you throw, you're like, I got this, ah, oh man, all these Christmas lights are tangled up. And then you just throw it into the fish tank. <laughs> like yes. 20 minutes later, the octopus deposits it back out and it's untied. Right. But 20 there minutes go, later, buddy. the octopus escapes and comes and like strangles you with the, the string lights. <laughs> oh no, it's a domesticated octopus. <laughs> oh, we've bred them for friendliness. Right. It's a neotenous octopus. <laughs> right. oh, so but cute. they still only live for like three years and you have to replace it. Yeah, I, honestly, I feel like that's the only reason that octopuses like don't have a civilization. Like they would have taken over except they, they don't live long enough. They don't right. live long enough to, to have culture. Yeah, like we don't. If we weren't going to uplift animals, we wouldn't have to do anything for the octopus except for lengthen its lifespan. That's interesting. That's like uh, it, there's you know there are these um, killer whales that there's one particular pot of killer whales that has this ritual where they go to this shallow beach every year uh, where mm-hmm. there are these like flat stones and they rub themselves against the flat stones and scientists don't exactly know why they do it and I've always figured it's because they they itch. And they have no <laughs> hands and can't scratch themselves. Right. <laughs> oh, like, sure. Like you've got to get real lucky to have like all of the all of the stuff in the right place. Like you could be if you're intelligent and self aware enough, but don't have any hands and can't scratch yourself, then your life must be a living hell. <laughs> or God, or if you're intelligent, such misery. <laughs> or if you're intelligent and can only live for three years, then your your species can't get a, a culture off the ground. Right? You just, you live long enough to, like, learn how to recognize each other and communicate two concepts and then, it eh, dead. Yes. Well, the nice thing is that you don't realize, you don't know enough to wish that you could have culture. Yeah. Yeah, maybe making them uh, live longer will just um, 
burden them. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, they might invent Twitter. Yeah. Oh God. It's like the there's a um, an onion thing online about scientists who t- teach an ape that it's going to that it, teach an ape about its own mortality. <laughs> and, <laughs> wow. And it becomes a heavy drinker and gets angry. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> And I now I wonder what Coco the gorilla thought, right? Yeah. Did did she know? Well, she knew about she knew about things dying, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they asked her if she thought her cat was gonna die, and she she signed Fooey. I don't how much was Coco was real, right? Because not the animal itself, but the research. Because there's also like there's the example of Nim Chimpsky, who's a chimp that. A bunch of um, scientists thought that they had taught the chimp how to sign, and they had like lived with the chimp for years and stuff, and traded the chimp back and forth between families. And at some point, when they got outside referees to check out to check their work, uh, the like scientists checking in on them were like, "This is not this animal is not communicating with you with sign language." Like, it's what was it, it doing? It, how did it, they how did they mix that up? It was imitating what they were doing. And I guess the explanation is that like they were, uh, they had like raised the chimp with their children and stuff like that. And like the, the explanation was that they were so projecting, they were so close to the chimp and projecting so much onto the chimp that they overinterpreted what it was doing, which is that it was just imitating their signs back to them. That's interesting. Yeah. And they were like reading its body language and stuff too, probably, but like, Right. So they were communicating with it, but they weren't communicating using language. language. Yeah, which is right. what they thought they were doing. Huh. And I think Coco, like, actually used signs. I don't know if she had, like, a lot of, like, complex grammar or anything, but I think she had some words. Yeah, because, I, I mean, I remember reading that they asked her about death and that she explained stuff about death. but that, uh, And, like, they asked if she thought her cat was going to die and she got angry about it and, like... But I haven't. I haven't actually gone back and read any of that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. More fodder for the show notes. Yeah. There you go. Do our octopuses aware of their own mortality? <laughs> should we teach octopuses about their own mortality? Should we teach octopuses to detangle Christmas tree lights? <laughs> in in the game Transhuman Space, uh, there's uplifted octopuses that, that live in the asteroid belt, and they worship Cthulhu, but in like a really <laughs> secular humanist kind of way. Humanist is <laughs> right because they're octopuses. But, but it's like, you know, the, the universe is, is cold and uncaring and indifferent and awful, but we're not. Cthulhu is and, like their Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Re- I felt like it was a really creative religion to make up for these octopuses. Yeah. <laughs> That's the- so maybe that's what happens when octopuses become aware of their mortality. Yeah, like he's got tentacles, we've got tentacles. You're right. <laughs> All right, you guys. I think we should call it. Um, I should definitely have both of you on again because I've really enjoyed this. Yeah, that was cool. a lot. Of fun. Um, this has been fun. Elena, is there? Uh, is there? Would you like people to find you on the internet? And if so, where? Oh goodness. Uh, I don't have a lot of public web presence 
And that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have to provide yeah, what, no, like, I'm honestly, not against people the... finding me, but I don't have a place for them to do that. that so, okay. you know, good well, luck, everyone. Yeah, just make it a make it be like a scavenger hunt. Right. You'll find hints. Uh, Avery. Um, look for my fla- flagging music career at my... Yeah, just go to band camp and listen to my album. You don't even have to buy it. Just listen to it. <laughs> yeah. I spent a lot of time making it and then... Oh, yeah. I mean, marketing is marketing's for chumps. Yeah. I went on tour. I did two little solo tours for it and I got so tired of saying, you know, like, look for me on Facebook and uh, Instagram and stuff like that, that at the end of every show, I just started shouting social media and then <laughs> get off the stage. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think they understood. No, they did I don't not. Think like that—that's the sort of joke that I would—I'll sometimes make that really demands that you've like lived the life that I have yes. lived in, in order, order to get it. In order to understand that joke, you would have had to been on tour with me, which <laughs> right? No, no one was. But part of the not even your band. Yeah, yeah. Part part of the reason I came up with a joke where I just shouted something at people was because I was spending hours at a time alone in a car. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you can find Avery hours at a time alone in the car. Yeah. Ride with me in a car or just think about me. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can discuss the episodes at the Topic Lords subreddit at r slash Topic Lords. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. You can find me on the Fediverse as mogwai underscore poet at mastodon.social. Also, I'm on Twitter. And you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early and get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode.